Well, I'm going to just introduce the book of Ephesians today. We're going to spend um, the next couple of months in this incredible letter. And it opens with the words, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God to God's holy people in Ephesus. And so I want to talk about Ephesus, the place Ephesus. Ephesus was originally a city built by the Greeks, um, but the Western world was, was run by the Romans by the time of Jesus and the, the early church. And in the Roman Empire, Ephesus was one of the big five cities, the big dogs. You had Rome, um, you had Antioch, Corinth, Alexandria, and Ephesus. Now, if we look at the map here, we have Rome over in Italy, Antioch is in the centre here, Alexandria is down the bottom, Rome, Antioch, Alexandria, Ephesus, and what's the other one? Corinth. There to get their sort of Corinth in Greece, and Ephesus is in Asia, which is nice because we're Chinese church, so it's good to have Ephesus. Um, it was the most important city in Asia at the time. It was called the, the mother city of Asia. And if you go to, um, to Istanbul, the capital of Turkey, now if we go to a Google map, which, which is today and covers the same land, you'll see Istanbul um, up here, the capital of Turkey. And in Istanbul, you can go to a bridge and actually cross from Europe to Asia. You can stand, you can put one foot on Europe and one foot on Asia if you like. Um, or we could drive across. And if you drive five hours or so down the west coast of Turkey into Asia, which is the rest of Turkey, around here is where Ephesus is. See there? So Ephesus is now in modern-day Turkey, and they have done the most incredible archaeology in Ephesus. They've, they've dug up the ancient city, they've reconstructed it and it's, it's really incredible I'm telling you. Like I got to go on a study tour for um, Bible college and it's this, basically this sweet deal where you get to go on a trip and you put it on for hex. So it's like a, it's a massive win, right? And um, the highlight of, of that whole thing though was definitely going to Ephesus. Um, this is this is the, the ancient city. There's a few tourists there now. I don't know how many tourists are there um, in Paul's day, but there, there would have been some because we'll get to that in a minute. Um, the archaeology is, is just epic. They have this beautiful library, um, which is, is really fascinating. Um, there's a stadium or a theatre, which actually is mentioned in, in the book of Acts. Um, the theatre, that's me in front of the, the huge theatre, about a 25,000 seater. That's me again. Um, and so, so Ephesus is is really really cool place to go. But 2,000 years ago, Ephesus had about 200,000 people in it, and it was um, it had this it had this library, it had that stadium that I just showed you. But it was most known because it was the home of the temple to Artemis, the the pagan goddess Artemis. Her her Roman name was Diana. And the Temple of Artemis was one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. And the whole city revolved around Artemis. The coins of the city had Artemis' um, head on it. Um, it talks about uh, Ephesus and the church in, in Acts, Acts 18, 19, and 20. Um, and, and it's a really cool story. So I'm just going to sort of tell you the story that's in, in Luke's 
um, history. You see, Luke wrote a history of uh, Jesus, and we know that as the Gospel of Luke. And then he wrote a history of the early church, which we know as the Acts of the Apostles. Um, and so Luke, in this, this history, Luke was a, a doctor and a, um, he's really sort of a historian of, of Jesus and the early church. And so he, he tells us the story of, of how the gospel came to Ephesus. And basically what happened is, is Paul, this missionary, um, went there for a little bit and, and preached the gospel, told people about Jesus and started up the church. And then he left and he left his mates Priscilla and Aquila to like handle it. You know, um, and then the, a teacher called Apollos came, and he was really helpful, and um, and he helped them out. And then Paul came back, and he came back for about three years. And and so Luke tells us, um, particularly the story of Paul's three or so years there. Um, Paul did some teaching and training. Uh, Apollos knew a lot about like Jesus. But he didn't know a heap about the Holy Spirit, it says in Acts. And so Paul taught them about the Spirit of God that is now uh, filling believers and that you can receive the Holy Spirit and you can minister in the power of the Holy Spirit. And things began to heat up. It says in, 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 Luke, in, sorry, in Acts, which is by Luke, it says some stuff that's nuts. There's like raisings of the dead. A guy falls out the window and then he gets raised from the dead. People get healed by the handkerchiefs like Paul's handkerchief. And so what happened in Ephesus is a lot of people got cut because people were turning from their old ways to the way of Jesus. So in the synagogue, it says there was, there was um, some division because some people wanted to hold on to the, the old school Jewish teachings while others saw, yes, this Jesus is the Messiah. And so there was divisions in the synagogue in Ephesus. In fact, Paul got kicked out of the synagogue and moved to the lecture hall. And so he was hosting um, teachings in like the lecture hall of, of uh, Thyatira, it says. And um, so that's about Luke 18 and 19. We then see that um, not only did... Um, sorry, it was the, the lecture hall of Tyrannus. We then see that they did this for two years and all the Jews and Greeks who lived in the province of Asia, so not just in Ephesus but all around, all the Jews and all the Greeks heard the word of the Lord. So the church really had an impact. This was not just church on Sundays in the, lecture, in the synagogue. This was in the lecture hall daily spreading the message of Jesus. God did incredible miracles. It says even handkerchiefs and aprons that had touched him were taken to the sick and their illnesses were cured and the evil spirits left them. And boy, do we need illnesses cured and evil spirits left today. And so it says that over time the word of the Lord spread and widely, spread widely and grew in power. And then we meet this guy named Demetrius. And Demetrius is a silversmith who makes like almost like tourism um, artifacts about Artemis, this, this god who the whole city sort of revolved around. It says he's a silversmith. He made silver shrines to the goddess Artemis. And he says, I've had enough of the Christians because the economy is actually getting stuffed up by everyone becoming Christians because people are putting all their money into buying these little shrines and, and worshipping Artemis. And, and so people leave pagan spirituality because 
of what's happening in Ephesus. This church is doing incredible things. We also, we also get this bit in Acts where it says the, the sorcerers, people practicing like witchcraft and stuff, they all gathered their scrolls, their recipes for sorcery, and they burnt them. And it tells us that it was worth 50,000 drachmas, which is uh, a drachma was about a day's wages. So if we do the math based on Australian um, daily wages today, that would be $16 million worth of scrolls. They just burnt them because they're like, we are leaving, we are turning, we're repenting. Remember, the way of Jesus is not just, yeah, that's a good idea. It's a repent and turn 180 degrees and follow this new way. And so, man, like the church in Ephesus is just such an inspiring, exciting story. Like if we're thinking, you know, what could God have in store um, for Melbourne? What might he want to do through us at Embrace? This, this small slice of what he might want to do in Melbourne and Australia. And we can look to, to Ephesus and be encouraged by what God in his grace did. Like this wasn't because Paul or, or his mates, Apollos or Priscilla and Aquila, were, were anything special. This was because of the grace of God. Did some amazing stuff. And so, Adam, um, so the guy, the silversmith, what's, where's his name? Demetrius. Demetrius gets so upset that he, he starts a riot up. And they end up in the stadium, in the theatre, this one, just picture Demetrius instead of me, um, and and they start like this riot, going, "Oh, we, can, we cannot stand Christianity anymore. It's destroying our economy because everyone's turning away from the the false idolatry, the the worship of Artemis." And by God's grace, it just sort of pans out. It's a weird story, but basically. Paul wants to get up there and like plead his case and, and the other Christians go, don't. And then it, it subsides. God was at work in Ephesus. God was at work in this city. In fact, God was so at work in the city that a lot of the cities around Ephesus, probably the friends of, of these guys who started the church, end up being really significant in, in the Bible and in the early church. A, a neighbouring church to Ephesus was called Colossae, which is where the, the letter to Colossians um, was sent to. Uh, Philadelphia, which is in Revelation. In fact, a lot of the churches in Revelation, even Ephesus itself, um, are addressed by Jesus in Revelation. And what's really cool is the Ephesian church and the letter that we have to the Ephesians is not like the letter to the Galatians. The letter to the Galatians is to address a specific issue. You know, hey, there's this wacky issue going on about Jews and Gentiles, um, circumcision, and Paul writes for that. Or in, in Corinth, he goes, there's some really crazy sin going on in the church. I want to address this. But the letter to Ephesians is not addressing a specific issue. It's actually a letter that Paul's writing basically to say, this is who you are because of Christ. This is what you are to do as a church for Christ. And so it acts actually as a really good summary of, of what it means to be church. And if you read um, some early, 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 like super early, we don't have it in our translation, uh, manuscripts of, of this letter, it doesn't say Ephesus at the start. 
because they actually wanted to send this letter around to the other churches and pass this message on. So it's not just for the Ephesians, it's for neighbouring churches and it's for us today as well. And what this letter says is that that you belong to Christ and it's incredible. We're going to get into to the rest of chapter 1 next week and it's just, a, it's just a beautiful poem and prayer of the grace of God and what every spiritual blessing that he's predestined us to receive. It's so exciting. I can't wait, to, I can't wait for next week. I'm already pumped. But um, he then gets into, in the second half, um, because of who you are and because of whose you are, because you belong to Christ, this is what you can do. Because you have this power, because you have this inheritance, because you're adopted as children, go out and, and grow up and grow, grow people up in the faith. And so it's just... I can't wait. I want to just quote you Tim Mackey, the guy who started the Bible Project. He says that if there ever was a short summary that you wanted to make about the beliefs, the convictions, the theology, the mission of the Apostle Paul and what he was all about, the letter to Ephesians sums it up. And so we're going to dive into this book and we're going to title this series, What Are We Here For? And we're titling this, What Are We Here For? Because what are we here for is a why question and a what question. What are we here for as in like, why are we here? Why did God put us here? Why has God enabled Embrace to exist at this time, in this moment, in this place? But what are we here for also is a question of what? It's identity and purpose. What are we here to do? What is church about? And so as we start the year, we're going to ask this question, what are we here for? What's our identity? What's our purpose? And we want to ask this question as individuals and as a church because we can never read, we, we always want to read the scriptures for ourselves, but we can never stop there because this was written to a people. If you look at verse, verse 1, it says, to God's holy people in Ephesus. Not to one person, but to God's holy people, the faithful in Jesus Christ. God's holy people. Not holy because you're holy, but holy because you were made holy by God. In Ephesus, in a city, in a time and place. And he says, grace and peace to you. May you have grace and peace. Not from me, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace is a gift. Grace means that you didn't earn it. Grace is not the sort of gift where your parents give you something because it's expected that you'll do everything they want or that you'll give them something back some other time. Grace is not a trade. Grace is a gift. It's free. Even if we were to never obey God, which would be foolish, grace is a gift. And everything in this, this life is grace. We're going to find out next week that, that um, this language of predestination is so important because it just means that everything is gift, that you cannot do anything to earn God's gifts, earn God's love, earn God's approval, earn God's power, earn God's stamp of identity. 
that everything is gift. Grace goes all the way down. And so Paul says, grace to you from God our Father. He's going to say in verse 3 that he that Jesus gives you every blessing, all things. And peace to you from God our Father, because we need peace in this chaotic world. I've already heard some stories of people's first couple of days at school, and it sounds like we need peace even in week one of term one. We need peace when we're trying to work out who's going to get the masks. We need peace when we're trying to work out who's in line, when we're trying to work out who to vote for, when we're going to try to work out who to invite over. In this world of chaos, we need shalom. And shalom, peace, is not just the absence of conflict, but is all things made right and good and in their proper place, in, in reconciled relationship with God and each other. So Paul says, grace and peace to you from God our Father and Lord Jesus Christ. So my prayer for us this year is grace and peace to you. May God give us grace and peace. We have everything we need if we have grace and peace. Everything that happens in 2020 is going to be a gift. Everything that happens in 2020 will be the work of God. If this church grows, if this church doesn't grow, if if we come a long way in our faith or have a really hard year, it's all going to be a gift of grace from God. And so all I want to say today is to receive this gift of God. Receive from God. We cannot achieve. We must receive. I say sometimes that the posture of a Christian is is hands out, is just receiving. And so whatever it is in your life, I want to encourage you, get yourself in a position to receive from God. We're so often posturing ourselves to perform. So when we wake up going, what do I have to do today? Or we think about God and we go, what do I have to do to be a better Christian or to do it well? But we must begin in a posture of receiving. Like a child on Christmas morning, just ready to receive. Up early because they want to receive. You have to work out in your own life what that looks like for you. It's probably going to involve prayer and scripture, community, the Holy Spirit, love. But what's it going to look like for you to put yourself under the sprinkler of God's grace and peace, to get near the water fountain? I want to suggest that one thing that's going to be involved is probably committing because because we're not we're not very good. We can be inspired to do something once but to, to actually keep going takes commitment and so I wonder if this year one of, the, one of the first things we can do is just commit to one another commit to God's holy people commit to, to this place on Sundays commit to North Melbourne on Fridays but get yourself in a posture of receiving because, because God has grace and peace for you and, and Ephesians, I really believe, is going to bless our church. Ephesians is going to tell us that God has a cosmic plan for the whole world of love and that we're a part of it. 
and we're just the 2020 slice of the cake, we're the Melbourne slice of the cake, but we are God's holy people, faithful in Christ Jesus, and God wants to speak and move and work in us this year. So why don't you close your eyes and bow your heads and except for PJ, can you um, try and load up that Bible Project Ephesians video? And let's just, if you feel comfortable, you can put your hands out. The posture of a Christian is, is one of receiving. And God, we just ask you now that you would give us every gift in Christ Jesus that you have in store for us this year, that you would give us grace and peace. And that we would be ready to receive what you have for us in this book of Ephesians, in this year of discipleship together at Embrace, in small group, on Sundays, through the week. May we pray for grace and peace from God our Father. Amen.